The end of the world is coming. It was predicted thousands of years ago. See ya! A reverse polarity sunspot. Goodbye. There is no such thing as death. Life is only a dream. This is the end. Beautiful friend. The end of the world. We're not talking about Nostradamus predicting Armageddon or about revelations in the Bible with seven horsemen. We're talking about actual scientific predictions about how the world will end. This year we've seen catastrophic flooding, the melting of glaciers, deep oil wells that break and lead to disaster. And it's made us wonder about when our modern age may come to an end. And our friends at Scientific American were wondering the same thing. They're going to be here all week long to talk about the end. And we started this conversation over the weekend, asking ordinary Americans what they'd like to see end. Here's just a few of the responses we got from New York's Grand Central Station. I would say meat consumption. People fighting in our war. The war in Afghanistan. Quality. World hunger. If it ended, I would be happy. My job. Traffic. Cancer. Murder. Oh, yeah. My soccer team's losing streak. <laughs> Definitely. Racism. Overpopulation. I'm going to go American Idol. I'd like to just see that end. <laughs> let's, let's get rid of that. Michael Moyer, a staff editor for Scientific American magazine, he's here with us to talk about his article, How Much is Left?, which takes a closer look at the world's dwindling resources. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. Michael, I wanted to read the very beginning of your article back to you. Okay, you say, If the 20th century was an expansive era seemingly without boundaries, a time of jet planes, space travel, and the Internet, the early years of the 21st have showed us the limits of our small world. Regional blackouts remind us the flow of energy we used to take for granted maybe in tight supply. The once mighty Colorado River, tapped by thirsty metropolises of the desert west, no longer reaches the ocean. Oil is so hard to find that new wheels extend kilometers underneath the seafloor. The boundless atmosphere is now reeling from two centuries' worth of greenhouse gas emissions. Even life itself seems to be running out, as biologists warn. We are in the midst of a global extinction event comparable to the last throes of the dinosaurs. Enjoy your coffee. That's right. Did you go into this forcing yourself, I'm going to be happy about this, I'm not going to get as depressing as the subject matter is? Well, I mean, it's it's not time to panic yet, I don't think. But I think with um, taking this look, this very kind of sober look at what's going on in the world, you know, hopefully now we have time to change our paths in a lot of way. And, and that's what we were trying to do with this issue a lot, is kind of see what, what things are ending and then kind of see the new beginnings that might come then out of that. Okay, well, yours is is about the resources that we have left, and you go through, I mean, you've clearly chosen which things to highlight, which not. How did you make those decisions? Well, we wanted to hit the big ones. We wanted to talk about, obviously, climate change is the big elephant in the room when you're talking about uh, how the world is going to change over the next few centuries. Um, we want to talk about natural resources, uh, fossil fuels, uh, biodiversity, and we hear all the time about how you know, the fish in the sea are just not what they once were. I'm a seafood lover, and it, and it bothers me to no end that you know maybe one day in 30 years I'm just not going to be able to enjoy the, all the fish that I love today. Well, you know, let me just point to one particular box that you have, because the way that the artic- your particular article is organized is that you have almost like a, a colorful timeline, and then you've pulled out little boxes of specific resources and told us when we might run out of them. One of them is uh, life on the planet, and that box is called Our Mass Extinction. Michael, come on. It's, you know, it's, it's sad but true. And the <laughs> thing we found when digging into this is that 
Right now, we're in the midst of a mass extinction comparable, really, to the events that either wiped out the dinosaurs or what biologists call the great dying, when 96% of all life on Earth went extinct. And they've found in what they're now calling the Anthropocene, the, the era of the planet defined by the time that humans are sitting around here, that species loss is now proceeding at a rate that is comparable to both of those events. You know, one of the things I found fascinating about the, the article and about the whole concept in Scientific American is, is you guys point out that it's often science that we look to to keep us from panicking, to give us a reasoned kind of calm, it's okay, it's not that bad. But in point of fact, when you start talking about the end of days, scientists are just about the worst when it comes to predicting doom and gloom. They can be, certainly. It depends on the scientists you talk to. If you talk to the engineers, they, sometimes they say, well, you know, we'll be able to fix it. We're, we're clever people. And, and doubtless we are a very, very clever species. But there are events that have been set in motion now which will take a global will to kind of uh, redirect. And it is unclear, if you've been following events in the news and in politics, whether or not that will can be manufactured. And I think what's very clear uh, throughout the thread of the issue of Scientific American is that the events are so complicated and there's so many of them. The things that you say have now been put into motion are on so many different levels that nobody knew would at some point interconnect and now they are. And it does kind of remind you of some of those, the, you know, the end of the Jurassic period, you know, that we are coming to the end of an era. That's right. And if you, if you look at the, the history of uh, humans on Earth, for many, many centuries, for millennia, our world has been very private and very defined by kind of what's around us and the resources that we find around us. Now, we are all so interconnected that we've become kind of this mega beast in some way, that our collective actions have such uh, huge consequences, and it is unclear if our brains are set up in such a way to allow us to organize ourselves to take actions which maybe don't benefit us directly in the near future, which maybe will have payoffs that will only happen once you and I have passed. Well, okay, so we clearly don't want people to be reading Scientific American or listening to The Takeaway and getting really depressed. And and that's one of the things that comes out of the, the issue is that it's the end of one thing and the beginning of another, right? That's right. Things are ending, but it, we have time. It's whether or not we want to make the investments in the future, whether we want to kind of rely on that technological prowess that we have that makes us so unique and, and so wonderful in the world to be able to get us out of this situation. I personally think that we can do it. And with the accelerating pace of science and with technology, certainly I think there's going to be a lot to look forward to. So you're on the optimism side of the science spectrum. I have to be. The issue is fascinating. Michael Moyer, staff editor for Scientific American. On Notes from America, we have conversations with people across the country about how we can truly become the nation that we claim to be. Each week, we talk about race, our politics, education, relationships, usually all of them, because everything's connected. And you, our listeners, are at the center of those conversations. I'm Kai Wright. Join me on Notes from America, wherever you get your podcasts. 